didn't take the mark. Oh, he's a light, Gary Ablett. Look at this. Here is the magician at work. He shoots towards goal. What more can you say? Hargraves kicks inside the 50. Bounces in front of Burns. Burns magnificently. This deserves a goal. And he's got it. What a classic. Inboard, awkward kick by Colbert. Half, half ball, 50-50. Riccardi, brilliant. What a goal this will be. of the tackle and Rook rolls it along the line. Oh. That is amazing. After in comes Doggin once again. Doggin streaks goal once he kicks. He's got a through. Steve Johnson, another one who the catch will be hoping gets up today. Ooh, and again there's a turnover. And Edwards, the little genius, drives it home. It's the Cats Whiskers. Hello, I'm Wes Cusworth. Welcome to the Cats Whiskers podcast for our 10th episode. This week, we have a special treat for our listeners throughout Perth on Sport FM 91.3, former West Coast Eagle, 20-game cat and waffle premiership player, Jeff Miles. But first, let's welcome the panel of Anthony Petkovic, Megan Holtz, Gus Marini and Mark Brunger. Anthony, as we record the program, the Cats are coming off a great win against the Lions and in somewhat of a surprise, Sam Simpson bobs up as an unlikely hero. He had a very good game, Wes. Uh, hasn't had a senior game in uh, two years. Uh, last year, of course, he won the Geelong VFL Best and Fairest. He's the son of former Geelong player Sean Simpson, who played for the Cats right through the 90s. And he's got a younger sister, Charlotte, a Sacred Heart College girl who plays for the Geelong Falcons. And I suspect she might be better than both her father and her brother. Big call. And Sean Simpson surely looms as a contender for a, an interview spot on the Cats Whiskers coming up. Uh, what was your takeaway from the success, Mark Brunker? Well, clearly, Wes, uh, we've got the game plan right. The last couple of weeks, we're starting to play a more attacking brand of football and going with that first option. And that's that's clearly uh, evident in the game against the Brisbane Lions. Uh, challenging few weeks coming up for Geelong in the hub over in Perth, though. So what I want to see over the next few weeks is just a little bit of consistency in form and, uh, and justify that second place on the ladder at the moment. Megan, the Cats sit second heading into the clash with Collingwood. Does Geelong's consistency reflect that standing in your estimation? Yes and no. It's a funny season, I think, Wes. If it was any other season, I'd probably say no. But I think given the challenges that we've had this season, I think we have been reasonably consistent. And I think the wins against Hawthorne, particularly Gold Coast, um, set us up really nicely with that percentage there. And welcome back, Gus Marini. Before we get to hear what's coming up in Team Talk this week, how do you see the Cats going in their Western Australian hub? Yeah, g'day, Wes. Just um, going on from what Megan was saying, I think for the first time probably in our lifetime, uh, the factors that determine performance and success are, are factors we've never had to sort of consider before. It's not just home ground advantage. It's not form. It's not injuries. It's how players 
and their families are adapting to the hub, how people are coping with um, restricted areas to train. And these are, these are things that none of us punters could even dream of even guessing. So my guess is as good as anyone's. Geelong could come out of this hub in Perth with a zip three uh, game ratio or three zip. We, we just don't know. And I think um, we have, as supporters, we have to take that into consideration that there are a lot of things that are not just distractions, but obstacles for every player. As mentioned, this week's guest on the Cats Whiskers is a man that played just one season at Caninia Park, but has certainly left his mark on football in the Geelong and Surf Coast regions. Jeff Joffa-Miles. Here's Paul Couch. In the wards, Miles. That was a good lead. Well, Miles, former Collingwood, formerly of West Coast, of course. And normally a great kick. He's directly in front. He stabs, and I think he has gold, all right. Yes, he has. Racing at it is Miles. Still got it, Miles. Breaks the tackle. A good hand pass. Bearstow's been quiet. Gary Hocking. Now a chance for Miles for his third as he kicks a goal and slams it through and the Cats hit back. Socket off the ground. It's all Geelong at the moment. Miles for number four. Across the shoulder. Was it touched? It wasn't. Christian Levesque. Here's a chance for a goal. Miles. An open goal coming up. First blood to Geelong, a goal to Jeff Byrne. Recruited to the elite level from Ivanhoe Amateurs in the Victorian Amateur Football Association, Jeff Miles played 31 games for Collingwood before crossing the country to join Claremont in the West Australian Football League. From Claremont, Jeff was picked up to be a part of the inaugural West Coast Eagles list and debuted in the Eagles' maiden game in 1987. There he played 71 matches before returning to the Waffle Tigers to be a member of the 1991 Premiership side. In something of a surprise, Jeff was coaxed to Geelong for the 1992 season by Stephen Wells before going on to make his mark in the Ballerine Football League with Barwon Heads. He was also remembered by our West Australian listeners through Sport FM as the foundation coach of Peel Thunder. Jeff, welcome to you. Thanks, Megan. Great to have you on the Cats Whiskers. You have had such a rich and diverse football career. What has kept you involved in the game for so long? Uh, I'll be very honest and say that uh, the minute I was done at AFL level, I wanted to give back to football. Um, uh, and that's I fell in love with Bowen Heads going there in 1993 and probably winning a flag there um, really secured it. But um, I just felt that I wanted to give back to football because football gave me so much. So... Uh, that's why, why I fell in with not only Bowen Heads, but fell in love with country football and especially in the Geelong District. It's fantastic. Jeff, I want to take you back to your uh, early days uh, playing in the VFL or then VFL. Um, yep. Your first year was 1992, a tumultuous year at Collingwood. You had a, a, a senior player uprising against the coach, Tommy Hafey, who got sacked mid-season. You had the new Magpies committee move in and kick out the old board. You must have wondered what the hell's going on. <laughs> I did, actually. Yes, Anthony. Oh, it was a, a strange uh, situation. Uh, a bloke by the name of Ranald McDonald uh, come in and, uh, and wanted to change everything. Rah, rah, rah. And unfortunately... Uh, the great man Tommy Hafey was removed uh, from the, as being coach, uh, which really shattered us as players. Um, but what could we do? We were only there to play the game. Uh, what happened behind closed doors? What happened behind closed doors? So yeah, it was pretty tumultuous. Um, you know, to, to look back, seventy-seven. 
or 76, they were on the bottom, 77, they played off in a, in a, in a grand final and a drawn one and all under Tommy. He, he was the right man, but unfortunately people at the higher level didn't think he was. So um, unfortunately Tommy went. Jeff, I'm even going to go even further back than what Anthony uh, has gone and back to your uh, days in the Diamond Valley in the Collingwood heartland. So having grown up in Layla myself and uh, being very familiar with how parochial uh, that Diamond Valley area was and still is, were you a Collingwood fan and how did you find living in the region? <laughs> no, I wasn't, Gus. I, um, I was a Fitzroy supporter. Me and my dad were Fitzroy. Uh, mum and my brother were Geelong, eldest brother Melbourne. My sister was Collingwood, but she ended up with her best friends following uh, North Melbourne at the finish. But, yes, we lived in uh, West Heidelberg, born and bred in West Heidelberg, so we were zoned back in those days, so we were zoned to Collingwood. So you had to, you hated Collingwood. Everybody hated Collingwood unless you, you barracked for them. So that was the way. But I must say, the minute I got an invitation to go down there and, and start pre-season training, um, changed my way and uh, all I wanted to do was get there. And it could have been any club for that matter, but that's that's the way it was. Where you lived, you had to go to Collingwood and, um, and that's exactly what I did. So, yeah, certainly fell in love with it once I got there. Jeff, we, we hear a lot uh, over the years about the, the extra weight of expectation playing for a club like uh, Collingwood with the, the extra pressure comes from, you know, from their popularity and, and their supporter base. Uh, tell us a little bit about walking into Victoria Park and, and did you feel that pressure and, and sort of how did it uh, sort of show itself? Yes, it's a good one, Mark. It's, uh, there was pressure. Um, I didn't feel it from being there initially because I hadn't played a senior game as yet and uh, I, I played in the reserves uh, in my first year. Um, so the pressure really wasn't on me, but it was, certainly was on the club, on the players, etc. because they hadn't won one for so long. I think it was 58 was their previous uh, flag. Uh, so, yes, the pressure was on, hence, you know, change of coaches, uh, change of players, all, all that sort of thing was going on around us. Um, the moment I did get a, a senior game, I suppose the pressure came on. But again, I thought to myself, well, I'm only a young fella here. Um, I'm still learning the ropes. And there was plenty of um, experienced people around me that, that showed me the way. Uh, but there was definitely pressure on. But mainly I felt that it was on the older generation of players that uh, were carrying the load for, uh, for the rest of the group. Joe, for the rest of the team, might like to ask you more questions about Collingwood. But just as Mark has asked you about walking in the door. I want to ask you about walking out the door and walking all the way to Claremont. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, yeah um, 1984, about, oh, it was June. It was late June, just, uh, yeah, late June because the clearances nationally close it on the June 30th every year. I reckon it was around about June 22, so it was only about eight days before clearances closed. Um uh, my then coach in the twos uh, come up and told me that, that you're not guaranteed a game in the senior side anymore. In other words, he was putting it to me nicely. Um, he said, uh, look, you can, you're quite welcome to stay here. And I said, well, eight days to go before clearances close. There's not much place else to go. Um, so I actually stayed. And he actually made me captain of the twos. Uh, we made a, a preliminary final that year and got put out in, in the preliminary final. But it wasn't all that hard, put it that way, Wes. It was, it was hard, very hard getting the information from from the hierarchy to say, you, you know, you're, you're on your last leg. But uh, to go somewhere else was just near impossible. Uh, 
Um, and then my best mate that was at Collingwood with me in 83, a uh, kid by the name of Tony Beers, uh, he'd already gone over to Claremont for 84. So uh, he rang me straight away and said, look, you know, this is a great place over here. Why don't you know, I talk to the people here and see if you want to come to Claremont? So that's how that all come about. And, and hence I went over there, started the 85 season. And, Jeff, you went from Claremont to the West Coast Eagles. How did that happen? Was there a draft back then? Uh, inaugural listing, um, they were allowed to have 48 players in their, in their first year. Um, so virtually every day you'd watch the paper because they have all their signings in the paper. Uh, the obvious ones, Ross Glendening was the first captain. Uh, the Robert Wileys... Um, John O'Neill came back from Richmond, um, so on and so forth. There was a, a lot of players went well and truly before me, and I actually know where I was. I was number 46. Um, and every day you're waiting for that phone call uh, just to see if you were uh, going to yeah, get a spot. I, I had a little bit of, uh, I suppose, luck on my side. Ron Alexander was our first coach, and I played state footy under him that year. Um, even though I'm a Victorian, I played West Australian football um, for them. And um, so he, he ended up being our first coach. So I suppose he'd seen maybe what, what he could see as, as a potential decent player. And our my then coach at Claremont was Graham Moss. And Graham Moss was the general manager uh, early as, at the West Coast Eagles. So maybe that was a bit of a sway my way. But, uh, you know, I, I was waiting with bated breath. But to be num- number 46 out of 48 um, was was pretty good. And, uh, Jeff, what, what made you think you were better prepared for a, a league career the second time round? Obviously, you had that experience in the waffle. Um, but you must have felt like you were going to approach it differently in, in some way. Uh, yeah, yes, you're exactly right. Uh, just experience that, that, that I... I'd only virtually had, even though I was 44 years at Collingwood, my first year was no games, uh, or sorry, not senior games anyhow. So I only had uh, 31 at Collingwood in three years, really, even though I was there four. So to get more experience at Claremont in the two years leading up to the Eagles, so 85, 86, playing every game at senior level, which is a very good league, um, as you would understand, gave me the experience and if you look at the average of most players even today that a lot of them peak at around the 25 years of age 25 26 or 24 um, and that's what I was so um, it, it just fell into place the right way and looked uh, I got the chance and thought to myself well here you go you've got a, a second chance at this yeah let's let's hang on hang on to this and and run with it and do the best you can so really did inspire me and um, yeah, yeah it just kept me on the right path and just continuing from there uh, with your football journey you, you made it back to Victoria but not back into the the Melbourne heartland as where, where you grew up you ended up at Geelong so to, to us supporters, this was there was this star-studded forward line with it contained the likes of Gary Ablett Senior and Billy Brownless. But then, my memory of that year in '92, there was this, this fantastic chemistry between two rather unknowns in, in Jeff Miles and Russell Merriman. Now, was that our imagination, or did you go, you guys who were, so, let's just say for a better word, the, the lesser lights were just um, amazing working together on that forward line. Yeah, um, Rusty was a, a good mate. Uh, again, we were, I was on the end of my career then. I'd actually turned 30 and I couldn't believe Geelong wanted me to come to Geelong. But anyhow, I decided to to come along. Um, Russell was, was younger than me, 
but he was in and out, in and out of the side. So I, I sort of not took him under my wing, but I just, you know, wanted to try and help him as much as I could. So I, I just read the way that he played and uh, he was very good with his feet and uh, his kicking was it was pretty good. So if I've had the chance to lead to him or, or get to somewhere when he had the ball, I always tried to do that because I knew he'd hit me with the football. And, and there was a couple others like that as well. But, but Russell, uh, to me, was... Uh, just didn't get a good enough go, but that's the way it is. I obviously, wasn't the coach, but um, I, I thought he, he should have had more more game time uh, than what he got. Put it that way. Jeff, uh, just wondering when Stephen Wells come knocking on your door, and, and surprisingly so, as, as you say, um, when he actually said, "You know, do you want to come to Geelong?" Were, were there any thoughts in your mind that that maybe? The AFL had passed you by, and that that maybe you, you didn't sort of have have it in you to to come back, or did you jump at the opportunity as soon as he offered? <laughs> it's a funny story. I'll try and keep it as quick as I can here, Mark. Um, he rang me, and I'd never uh, spoken to Steve, so I didn't really know his voice. Now, I didn't play an, an AFL game in 1991 all year. I was still listed with West Coast, but played all year with Claremont. We won the flag. And then Steve rang out of the blue and just said, um, coming over to Perth, uh, I want to sit down and have a chat to you about recruiting you to Geelong. And rah, rah. I actually thought it was one of my mates playing a, a silly <laughs> little game. Um, and he said, he actually said to me, he said, you don't seem too convinced, Jeff. I said, no, I'm not, Steve. I said, I, I just think this is a bit of a mate's joke. I said, I'm 30 years of age. I turned 30 in 1992. Why would you be recruiting a 30-year-old? And then he said to me, he said, look, Malcolm this, Malcolm that, Malcolm thinks this, Malcolm thinks that. And then he said, if, you, if I get Malcolm to ring you, will that convince you? And I said, well, yes, because I, I know Malcolm. I said, unfortunately, I've never met you, Steve, so I, I don't know you. And the other thing he said to me, he said, we want to meet, I want to meet you at Subiaco Oval. And I thought, well, why aren't we at, you know, the Hyatt or some flash uh, hotel or something like that? And he wanted to meet at Subiaco Oval, and that put me off a bit. But anyhow... Within a half an hour, Malcolm Blight had rang me and that really convinced me, of course. And uh, I said that we'd always, to my wife, I said we'd always come back to Victoria because we're Victorians. I said here's a real good opportunity to come back not only to Victoria but to come back and uh, and have another crack at, at AFL level. So, yeah, that, that was enough and I uh, come back to have a go and that really inspired me. Digressing ever so slightly, Jeff, to those uh years of experience in the waffle and the premiership in 91 with Claremont. Of course, you'd lost the year before to Swan Districts, but how instrumental was um, Jared Neesham's coaching to the development of your game and the success for the sides that you played with? Fantastic coach, Jared. He had a had different philosophy on the way uh, that he used to set up play. Um, his whole family are entrenched in water polo, uh, as you'll probably know, and so therefore he used to set up same as water polo. If you watch water polo, very similar to soccer. They set up in a semicircle around the goals and wait for an opening and in they go. And that's the way he used to coach us. Um, so he was very different. So because that was new, no one knew how to stop it. And therefore, his first coaching year was 87 at Claremont. They won the flag. He played off again in 88. They got beat. Then he won it in 1989. Uh, we played off again in 90 and we got beat. Then 91, he was just... One of those things that he was fresh, he was new, he was different, um, and unfortunately no one was able to stop what, what he got us to do. I, I, 
you know, I, even though we were out in the ground, it was all generated by Jared's thought um, plans and, and all that sort of stuff, and it was all evolved around his water polo experience. And um, he tried that at Fremantle Dockers when he went there and coached, and unfortunately... Uh, AFL clubs were aware of it and, and and shut that down pretty quickly and and therefore he didn't have a real good crack at AFL level either. Just coming back, Jeff, to Malcolm Blight, what did he say to convince you to come over to the Cats? Oh, just just to hear his voice, Megan, was enough. When I'd been speaking to Steve and he said, look, um, I know you didn't play last year. He said, I still think there's, 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 you've got something there to offer us. Um, he said, it could be down back, could be up forward. He said, that's the, the good thing with you, that uh, we can we can try it either end. And um, I thought, well, that's enough for me. Uh, let's get back there and give, give it another go. And uh, fortunately enough, I, I got to and got to a grand final, but unfortunately a losing one. How did that feel, playing your old, uh, your old team West Coast uh, in a losing grand final to them? Yeah, not easy, Megan. Um, I, the, if you remember the 89, which we all do, the 89 uh, grand final, and uh, Mark Yates comes thrashing off the wing straight into Dermy. I really did think that Malcolm was going, because I, I didn't know the full story of that, of what Yatesy did. That was apparently, it was Yates's own, uh, off his own back for a payback. But I was expecting Malcolm to ask me to do the same thing to, to a West Coast bloke. And I really was very reluctant if he had of. I, I don't know who he would have wanted me to target, um, but... Thank God he didn't. Um, I got a game, but I was end up being on the bench. I was on the bench till about eight minutes uh, in the left in the third quarter. So I only really got a quarter and a bit. And um, and for all those uh, trivia buffs out there, um, they can actually ask this at any trivia night that I actually didn't get a stat for the game. No stats, no handballs, no marks, no anything. So um, it probably goes down as I'm the last person that uh, has got zero next to his name after a grand final. <laughs> well, it could have been worse, Jeff. Mario Bortolotto played in the 81 Premiership uh, side at Carlton and his coach David Parkin forgot he was there and didn't use him at all for the game. So <laughs> you have one 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 advantage there. But I'm very interested in your years at uh, West Coast because that was really the start of a semblance of a national competition when the Eagles and uh, the Brisbane Bears came into the into the competition. And um, West Coast had a, a like a state side um, and you had three very interesting coaches, one after another, Ron Alexander, John Todd, and then, of course, Macho Mick Malthouse. So uh, that must have been a really interesting time to be part of a, a start-up club. Absolutely. Um, so being a startup club, it, it was a case of whatever you wanted, you got. And I, I don't want to be a smarty in saying that, but for argument's sake, we were signed up to Puma. You could ring Puma nearly every day of the week and get whatever you wanted from Puma. Uh, our major sponsor was Burswood Casino, which is now um, Crown Casino, but Burswood Casino, you'd be given red carpet treatment as soon as you walked in there. There'd be drink cards everywhere, um, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it was the pizzazz and everything that went with it was was all there. Um, the, the best thing probably for us, we won our first game. We beat Richmond after being, I think, we were about six goals down at three-quarter time. And we got up and beat Richmond in our first ever game and that really set the tone that, uh, hey, uh, West Coast Eagles have arrived and, 
as you know, uh, didn't take too long further down the track for them to, to win their first flag. But it was it was amazing. The three coaches, Ron, I really felt sorry for Ron. He got one year, unfortunately. Um, for those that don't know, the last game of that season, we played St Kilda at the old Moorabbin Oval. If we'd have beaten St Kilda, we would have made finals and uh, would have been the first club to, to get in on the first year and get into finals. We got beat. And unfortunately, Ron was moved moved on and uh, still don't know as to why. Uh, John Todd was a terrific coach also. Um, take nothing away from JT. He was he was known as the the the, uh, the, the, the pontiff, I suppose, of, of West Australian football. Um, he was he was very good, very good to me and very good to a lot of people. Uh, don't get on his wrong side. <laughs> There's plenty of blokes did. Um, but he was a very good coach. And, of course, once Mick came along, Mick added the, the cream to what had already been put in place. And Mick uh, was very stern, as you probably all know, of what he wanted. Uh, Mick's philosophy was stop the opposition and we'll score the other end. And so we, we really didn't do all that much game planning going forward because it was about stopping the opposition because um, he believed that once you stop them and turn the ball over, catch them out, uh, nine times out of ten, you'll score by catching them out, and and it worked for him brilliantly. Jeff, um, football clubs are renowned for creating lifelong uh, friendships, uh, whether it's at a local level or at a professional level. Now you've you've been at three clubs. Uh, are you able to articulate some of the great friendships you've made at all three clubs, and who you still see today? Absolutely. Um, uh, my best man at my wedding was Dennis Banks uh, from Collingwood. Uh, Great mate of mine and still is, still still speak, speak to him, still go and see him. Uh, another fellow there, didn't play a lot of games there by the name of Andrew Smith, uh, Pud Smith. Uh, he's a terrific fella. Uh, Bill Pickens, still Steve Bill. Um, seen him not long ago and, and had a beer with Bill. I'm a member of their uh, past players um, squad uh, that you, you, you pay a membership every year, but we're all on, we, they have actual functions every year. They have at least three functions a year. Uh, that you can go along to. It's, it's really good. Collingwood really do look after you. Uh, then we have West Coast. Um, only the other night I spoke to David Hart, who's a real good mate of mine. Um, he, he virtually lives with David Hines, so uh, get to speak to those two. Chris Lewis rang me the other night. Um, his father passed away during the year, and uh, so I, I left a message with, with Louis to, to ring me to, you know, just to pass on my uh, my best to him about Dad passing away. Um, Murray Rance, even though he, Murray started at Footscray and then came back to, to West Coast, he's still over here in Melbourne. Um, he's actually one of uh, Paul Little's um, right-hand men and uh, he's actually involved <laughs> down here, funny enough, that's how I've ended up at Port Arlington Footy Club. Uh, Murray's involvement uh, with Paul and the ferries um, has, has steered me down to Port Arlington. So, yes, there's, there's many of them out there. Geelong, I still speak to Billy, still speak to uh, Baz Stoneham, uh, Sean Simpson, uh, Tim McGrath, uh, still catch up with those guys. Uh, we Again, we have a, a, a day, it's around... Caulfield Cup time where uh, Billy's uh, pub there down at the Cremorne, we, we go there for an afternoon and sit down and chinwag and talk garbage again and uh, and have a good time. So, yeah, I, I think it's very important. And, and just on the other side of it is uh, with Bowen Heads, because we won the flag, I, I actually put myself in charge of making sure that I we do the reunions for that 93 Premiership side 
uh, we did our um, 20th, uh, no, sorry, 25th year um, two years ago. And uh, I, I organised a whole lot because I reckon it's very, very important, not only for us as, as people, but for those for all those clubs, um, for, for what they did for us and, and what they are still doing in that we can help them out in any way. Jeff, just wondering, uh, looking back on, on your career and, and your journey over the, the three clubs and also over in the Waffle and, and here in Geelong, uh, what you see as your greatest achievement over that time? And I'm just wondering, and I know this is an audio medium, but uh, we're seeing you here on Zoom and there's a lovely photo behind you there. I'm just wondering if that might be your actual greatest achievement, the uh, the grandchild there. <laughs> yeah, good work, Mark. Um, <laughs> I'd like to hope hope it is. I, you know what, what's going to happen with him. I'm not too sure um, whether he's going to be a footballer. I'm, I'm not too sure, but they do put a smile on your face. So I've got two grandchildren, and that's that's Ollie and um, and Scarlett, my 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 granddaughter. Um, obviously, to to Mitch Duncan, who's my son-in-law, uh, married to my daughter Demi. Um, that they are fantastic. It really do when you've got a, a down moment, you you ring your grandkids. And speak to them, and they soon put a smile on your face. Um, yeah, Football-wise, look, um, I, I honestly, personally believe I, I played 122 lucky games. In that, I, I don't reckon I was much of a player, but and that's, uh, and, uh, it's easy to say. I, I just think I, I was there at the right times, and and my sort of player was look they were looking for, etc., etc. Um, so. Uh, the, my greatest game playing in was obviously the grand final, even though it was a losing one. To, to run out the southern stand was the opening of the southern stand in 1992. To run out in front of 90 odd thousand that were there that day, and I was I could have jumped out of my skin in the first minute. And I, here I was, I was sitting on the bench. Um, so that to me was my greatest game that I've ever played in. Um, I, I, yeah, again, I just I just love that I've been able to to participate in, um, to play for three fantastic clubs, but more so to pass that on to not only my kids but to pass on to, to players and kids from, from other clubs, from juniors and still doing it now, uh, to me that's that's a great pleasure. That I, I'm no expert and no one is, I don't think there is an expert out there, but to be able to pass on what, what you've learned over the years and now when you watch it and see the changes that have happened, um, I think it's great to be able to, to give people some advice and, and push them in the right direction. Well, Jeff, that's, you certainly have done that and uh, uh, congratulations on a fantastic career and your contribution to local football is greatly appreciated by many, many people and it's been a pleasure to have you on our program. Thanks, guys, and I, I really do appreciate it that you thought of uh, someone like me and I, I said to Wes when he first rang me, I thought... Why? Why me? I'm just I'm just a player that have no you know great highlights or anything like that. Even though you had some there, um, but I really do enjoy it. I love this area. Um, I, I went to to Melbourne for three and a half years because my son got drafted to Hawthorne, um, and just to help him out in where he was living, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, he got delisted unfortunately last year at the end of the season, and the minute he said that. <laughs> Plans were already in place to to get back down here, and uh, now I'm going to hopefully give Port Arlington a, a hand and um, see what we can do there. They've they've had some um, some disappointing years uh, 
20 years since they've made finals. So uh, great club, great traditional club. I think, if I remember rightly, they're the oldest club going, 147 years this year. Um, I think they are the, the oldest club in the district. So I really want to uh, just help them. You know, I'm still a Bowenheads man. I'm a life member there, but I'd, I'd really love to help Port. Just steer them in the right direction and hopefully they can get back up that ladder. Yep, go the Demons. That's it. Coming up is Gus Marini with the Team Talk Team of the Week. Well, Wes, uh, this week's Team Talk is one of a kind and aptly named One of a Kind features players in the 150 years of VFL, AFL footy that the best of our knowledge have had the one first name, Christian name, bestowed upon them. So we don't know of any other player who shares their first name with, with this group of people. Now, we did get some great nominations. But what I'll do, I'll read out the back line first and I'll throw it to our learned friend, Anthony, and he can give us a bit of his thoughts on on, on the, the three players in that, in that back line and um, what his thoughts are on their particular names. Now, we're starting off with Ali DeWald, who was a premiership back, back pocket player for Hawthorne in the 70s. Wiley Buzzer, arguably probably the most Hollywood-sounding name uh, to play in the VFL-AFL. And Mordecai Bromberg, known as Morty Bromberg, who played for St Kilda in the late 70s, early 80s, who's now a very prominent lawyer in, um, in Melbourne. So, Anthony, tell us about this trio. Well, Ali DeWald had a very unusual kicking style. And, of course, Wiley Buzzer, as you, we, we spoke of before, a very Hollywood-style name. But Morty Bromberg interests me because St Kilda had a long line of Victorian state representative back pockets, starting Roger Head, then Wayne Judson and Jeff Dunn. And, unfortunately, Morty didn't make it to that particular level. But there was great expectation on him and it, he achieved it in the law. <laughs> exactly. And... Um... Our, our halfback line is a, a little bit more contemporary, and that's going to suit Megan um, because that, that consists of St Kilda captain Jaron Geary, um, Harita Lumumba from ex-Collingwood and late, later in his career with Melbourne, and star Richmond halfback flanker ba- Basha Hawley. So, Megan, take us through these three contemporary stars. Well, I probably don't have as much knowledge as, as what I would like to perhaps on Jaron Geary, but um, G. Bashahooly has been an absolute outstanding player for Richmond. Um, great to see he made the list there. And also Heredia Lumumbo is probably a little bit forgotten about now, particularly his career at Melbourne, I'd say, but um, another reliable backman there. We move to the centre line, um, and I reckon it's a good-looking centre line. Uh, Maverick Weller and who's been at three clubs, still side bottom, who's been in the news for the wrong reasons of, of recent times, and Athos Risalakis, now a fellow who I played school football with at Layla High. He's probably the, apart from Anthony Kudafides, he's probably the second biggest name to come out of Layla High, and um, Athos makes it on the other wing. So, Mark Brumber, what's your take on that, our centre line here? Very handy centre line, I might say, Gus. Yes, uh, certainly uh, steel side bottom in the centre there. There's not many uh, steels or golds or silvers running around, that's for sure. And uh, and Maverick Weller was, I think he became a commentator's favourite very early in the piece and, and drew some uh, some uh, similarities or uh, connections with uh, the Tom Cruise character in Top Gun when he arrived on the scene. 
He, he certainly did. He certainly did. So might have a career in modelling if, um, if, if, if he gets to list it in the next year or so. The half forward line, and I'll leave this open to you guys to comment on. Um, we've got a Geelong flavour here, a current one, Brian Myers on a half forward flank. Milan Faletic. Now, we're going back a bit. He played for the Saints after being recruited um, from South Australia in the, uh, uh, in the late 70s. And Orazio Fantasia make up the half forward line. Orazio Fantasia. <laughs> Fantastic. Brian Taylor's favourite player. Um, the, the, uh, the St Kilda one interests me, though, because uh, that face looks really, really familiar, Gus, and that's because I reckon in that year of that football card, I reckon every packet I opened had that particular card in it. That was the, the most common denominator amongst them all. Didn't that annoy you, Mark, growing up and having when you're trying to get the set of 132 cards, you'd always open up and there they were, that same card over and over again. It was a marketer's dream, wasn't it? Well, with Milan Philetic, it was a card you had heaps of. You couldn't swap. No one wanted him. You couldn't swap him with anyone. No, I think Alec the Wall was the same as well in the back pocket there too. Now, um, with, with our, our forward line, it's got a bit of an Irish flavour, so Tanto are helping. Severia Rocker and Silvio Fascini make up the Paisani combination of full forward and forward pocket. So um, all three different for all different reasons. We know Severio went off to the NFL and played for the Philadelphia Eagles as a punter. Silvio Fascini created history by um, you know, when he wanted to, we didn't want to go and play well, he was playing at the Swans and wanted to come back to Melbourne when South Melbourne relocated to Sydney. And so Tanner had helped and, you know, another Irishman who came over and did some nice things at Carlton, but um, probably more of a cult hero than, than a superstar. Yes, he was the last player actually suspended for hitting a teammate in a practice match. <laughs> you know, I think you're being kind by saying hitting Anthony. Yeah. I think it might have been a, a, slight, a slight kicking motion might have been involved. <laughs> To the That's bucket exactly. region of Cameron Cloak, but uh, how, can with his foot. how can you get suspended for uh, an infringement against a teammate in a practice match? Is uh, lost on me. Yeah, I still now, think pound for pound, Severio Rocker was one of the best kicks of a football I've, I've ever seen. He was he was right up there when he when he sunk the slipper into the footy, it stayed kicked. It certainly did, Mark, and um. Takes us to our ruck division. Now, this guy might not have been the greatest player of all time, but just like Wiley Buzzer, I think he's got one of the best names ever in, in VFL, AFL history, and that's Ruckman Digby Morrell. Uh, and the ruck rover, Jago O'Meara, and another hawk as a rover, Chance Bateman. So, uh, guys, and Megan, um, this is a little bit more contemporary for you. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about these, these three we have on our, on, in our ruck division forgotten a bit about Chance Bateman, but that brings back some memories. He was a good player. And um, Jager O'Meara, I love the name, but perhaps hasn't been um, quite up to his potential there. And I, I didn't see Digby Morrell, I must admit. Well, not that I recall. Okay. That leads us to our bench. Now, honestly, guys, our bench could have had 47 players on there, but we had to, we, we actually had an extend, extended bench. We had Tarkin Lockyer, Farron Ray, Zeno Tetsaris, who played fullback for uh, the for Footscray, and I'll ask, I'll throw to the guys after and ask him what he was famous for. Reno Preto played full forward for Fitzroy. Jose Ramiro, the only Jose to have played AFL footy. Lazar Vidovic, another another saint, and Clen Denning, um, 
also holds a unique record as well. But can anyone tell me what Zeno Tatsaris will be telling his grandkids in a few years? Oh, you've got me, Stumps. Okay. Uh, no takers, I'll, I'll let you know. He's one of the very, very few. I think there's only three people in history that have kept Jason Dunstall goalless. And Zeno was one of them. And um, Clem Denning has the unusual um, and very unique record of kicking a goal with his first six kicks in footy. So he kicked six goals from his first six kicks. Who did, who did he play for, Gus? Played for Fitzroy and Carlton. And um, I memory serves me correctly, I think he may have done it playing for Carlton. But yeah, that is in the record books. And we can't go past the coach because the coach was none other than the famous Collingwood legend, Fonce Kine, which uh, Fonce being short for Alphonse. So Fonce Kine gets the mantle as the coach for this week. Are we sure with Clendenning Denning that his, his parents just didn't fill out the hospital form properly and they meant to write a G? Maybe. I've got the same theory about Farron Ray. I reckon his dad might have had a few beers and wanted to call him Darren, but might have had a cold when he was pronouncing it. <laughs> There's no mistaking Lazar Vitovic was an imposing figure on the field, uh, six foot seven and built like your Greek god. Um, he was a, he was a he was a man mountain. Yes, and we will remember fondly in the '91. Um, final against St Kilda. It was a sudden death final. And I think in the last few minutes, he clocked the late Paul Couch, if my memory serves me correctly, Anthony, and um, gave away a free kick, which pretty much sealed the game for Geelong. And and was reported, yes. He got uh, he got a bit hot-blooded and and, uh, and it might have, it could have been Ken Hinckley. It might have I, been Ken Hinckley. I wasn't sure on who the recipient was. Ken Hinckley, but for some reason, that's that's what sticks in my mind. It was a nice little short, short, sharp jab to the head, and uh, but the umpire was standing right next to him, so it was very stupid. You're going to do it while the umpire is standing next to you, make it a good one, Anthony. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, and I just think it might be an opportune time to ask too if there's a particular favourite for the uh, respective members of the panel. Is there is there one name in particular that really grabs your attention? Digby uh, Morrell was uh, an interesting player because he was would play a very good game and then um, would be the almost the first player dropped every time his team sort of failed. He was sort of like his name sort of attracted attention for some reason. I'm going to say Brian Myers because I just love the name and I feel like the way he plays matches his name. He's an excitement machine. <laughs> I think for me it's got to be Fonce Kine. I've, I've always loved that name every time I heard it and, of course, he was a, a great coach at uh, Collingwood too and uh, it's one of those, uh, even though it's short for Alphonse and Alphonse is a reasonably common name, the, 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 you know, the, the name Fonce itself is a very unusual name and, Flows off the tongue pretty nicely, I must say. Yeah. And, Anthony, I was kicking myself after I put the side together because going back to your Digby Morale, I thought his best rucking partner would have been Barnaby French. Played around the same time. And uh, I don't think there's been another Barnaby unless we go back to the 1900s or something. But um, Um, Hello Dolly had a Barnaby in it, I think, from memory. But apart from that, you don't see that name bob up too many times. No, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we don't. Gus, you might you might like to give us the heads up on the theme for next week's team um, and some really big names featuring already in the nominations. 
Yes, yeah, certainly, Wes. Um, oh, this was this one's a lot of fun to do, like they all are. And um, this one's based on an Elvis song, Return to Sender. And um, it's not a, a musical team we're doing. It's actually players who um, who have played, uh, started their career at one club, gone to another or maybe two, and then returned to their original club. Now, there's not a lot, con considering there's been around 10,000 players who have played in the VFL and AFL. Um, there's more than a handful. There's more than enough to make a team or two. But but this does take some thinking. So there, obviously the inspiration for that was the weekend, last weekend when we saw how well Gary Ablett Jr. went and, and the same with Eddie Betts. They were both, you know, their birth, their birth certificates were irrelevant and people critiqued them on their talent rather than their age. And um, that inspired me to, to put uh, this team together of, of players who had, who had been at one club and, and returned to their original club. So we're looking forward to that one next week, guys. Great job with Team Talk once again, Gus Marini. Well, of course, this podcast is accessible on a range of podcast platforms, including Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and now on Overcast, along with being heard throughout Perth on Sport FM 91.3. On behalf of Mark Brunger, Megan Holtz, Anthony Petkovic, Gus Marini, I'm Wes Cusworth. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you can join us next week. Oh, oh, oh.